You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Politi Speak. Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program where we try to understand life through the written word of God, the Bible. I recently heard something on the radio while I was driving and I'd like to share this with you today. It was a news report aired on ABC Radio News about a move at the AN, that ANU, that's the Australian National University, otherwise referred to as the University of Canberra, about renaming certain people, including mothers and fathers, with non-gender names. The reason given for doing this was that any person or people who had or has a different sexual orientation should not be offended. The report was published in the Daily Mail newspaper on Friday, February 19, 2021. And here are some relevant sections of the report. It says, Academics from the nation's top university tell staff to call mothers the gestational parents and fathers the non-birthing parents. And there is even a gender-neutral term for breastfeeding. Australian National University hoped to introduce gender-inclusive education. Gender Institute Handbook asked for dads to be called non-birthing parents. Staff have been asked to correct themselves if they use the wrong terms. And then a hospital in the United Kingdom told staff to use terms like birthing parents, end of quote. So the university, along with at least two English institutions, wants everyone to call mothers gestational parents and fathers non-birthing parents. Mother's milk is to be renamed human milk or chest milk. Whether you agree with this politi-speak or not, I have some comments for you to consider. And I would then like to look at the question from a biblical perspective. You may well remember that many countries in the world have voted whether or not to legalise same-sex marriages. Here in Australia, the majority vote sanctioned framing new laws to make same-sex marriages legal. It is my view that the Canberra University recommendation is probably a spin-off of new attitudes to people whose sexual orientation is different than what has been considered normal for thousands of years. The multicoloured flag featuring all the colours of the rainbow represents some of the multiple sexual orientation groups that exist today. And the letters LGBTQIA plus describe some, not all, of these sexual orientations. L for lesbian, G for gay, B for bisexual, T for transgender, Q for queer, I for intersex, A for asexual. Children, at least in some societies, 
now have the right to choose how they want to be identified. This means that a child with male genitals may choose to regard himself as female, and a child with female genitalia has the right to live and be known as a male. As someone who endeavours to understand life from a biblical perspective, I find this modern approach to sexual orientation quite challenging. Now, back to mother and father. Understanding that certain minority groups within society may take offence because of majority practices, I feel that the motive behind this recommended change in gender terminology is more than seeking social justice. Furthermore, although I respect the rights of people to live as they choose, it is my opinion that the suggested terminology change is venturing from the sublime to the ridiculous. Should it reach a point where the suggested name changes become law, then I suppose I would become a conscientious objector. Maybe it is time the majority of citizens stand up and register their offence at having well-accepted names and social practices altered. Now, another issue is that I find abusing God's name by using it flippantly is much worse than calling parents father or mother. Perhaps we should start a campaign to prevent people from saying such things as Oh my God! or Cripes! or Jesus Christ! and such like. In my opinion, use of such terms is extremely offensive. So if mothers are to be called gestational parents and fathers non-birthing parents, what names should be given to adopted mothers or fathers? Non-related parents, perhaps? Can you imagine how a woman and her husband, who with love and care raised an adopted child, would feel if instead of that child calling them mum and dad, address them as my non-related parents? And what would the next step be? What would the names for boy, girl, uncle, aunt, grandmother or grandfather become? Now, humanism is an ideology that's a worldview, a life perspective, that eliminates God. And I suppose that the ditching of names like mother and father is just another product of humanism. And I'd like to suggest the gender terminology origins might be even more sinister. It's very highly probable that the enemy of souls, the devil, also known as Satan, has a vested interest in promoting humanism and eliminating positive identifiers such as mother and father. The issue I've been highlighting today is an issue of respect to others. Respect for others is enshrined in human rights. So where did human rights begin? Did human rights simply evolve, or were they designed?
And I'd like to suggest to you that they were given to mankind at the beginning by the creator of mankind, God. In Genesis 1 is the record of the creation of the earth. On day six of those literal seven days, God created man. In creating man, God gave human beings a special but lasting assignment, and we read this in Genesis 1.28, where it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the earth. Now, to rule over means to be the custodian of, to be the carer of. God intended that man should protect and nurture what he had made. This is about animal rights and environmental protection. And then, further on in the book of Exodus, there is a biblical statement about human rights, and that's found in Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. And here's what it says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. This section I've just read to you is the fourth of the Ten Commandments. It outlines one's respect for God, and it outlines how people should respect others. It is a profound statement of human rights. Basically, the second part of this commandment is saying that no one should be made to do what the principal individual would not do, regardless of their place in society. And Jesus further emphasised this by saying, as is recorded in Matthew 7, verse 12, In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. And this, of course, is known as the golden rule. So, according to what the Bible teaches, it is not appropriate for a Christian to be offensive to other people because of their race, sex, skin colour, ethnic background or social status. However, God did create human beings with only two sexes, male and female. And Genesis 1.27 clearly outlines this, and it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. The current mixed-up multiplicity of sexual orientations is not God's doing. God created two sexes of humans, not six or seven or twenty-three, just two. Humanism is very like the theory of evolution, with its unproven, unsubstantiated, flawed, ever-changing ideas. Truth, according to humanists, is flexible and adaptable. 
That kind of truth is called relative truth. Relative truth shifts are relevant to the popular opinions of the day. What may have been true in the past may not be true in the present, and that may not be true in the future. However, truth as is founded in God's word, the Bible is like an anchor and is permanent and fixed. God is, and what he says is, absolute truth. The moral law, the Ten Commandments, is a statement of God's character. It is absolute truth. It is as God is. Hebrews 13.8, speaking about Jesus, says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. And Malachi 3.6 adds, I am the Lord, I change not. According to the word of God, it is not disrespectful to call your parents father and mother. In fact, the fifth commandment says it is right and proper to honour your mother and father. The proposed politically correct terms for mother and father are dry, clinical uninteresting terms. They focus on sexuality rather than focus away from it because each refers to reproduction. In my opinion, this is possibly offensive to people who cannot have or do not want children. The term mother is a rich descriptor as mother refers to the one who nourishes cares for and loves her children. The term father also carries with it much more than mere sexuality. A father is to be a role model, a protector, provider and instructor of his children. We're going on straight after the break.
Just before the break, I mentioned the fact that fathers, amongst other things, are to be role models for the children. And in her 2008 Christmas address, Queen Elizabeth gave the following advice, and she said, The world would do well to follow the example and teachings of Jesus Christ. So what were the example and teachings of Jesus on this issue of using or not using the age-old terms mother and father? Well, to start with, Jesus referred to Mary as his mother. In tender regard for her just before his death and while hanging on that cruel cross and seeing the group of people who were especially dear to him, as is recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 26 and 27, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then she said to the disciple, and that was John, Behold your mother. And then from that hour, that disciple, John, took her to his own home. Joseph, the husband of Mary, had most probably died before the crucifixion, and possibly the rest of the children Jesus grew up with had probably left home by then. And with Jesus gone, she would have no familial support. So John became her adopted son, or rather, Mary became John's adopted mother. Jesus believed in and often quoted from the Old Testament scriptures. He would have been aware of the two following texts. Firstly, in Isaiah 66.13, As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. Then in Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and don't reject your mother's teaching, for they will be a garland of grace on your head and a gold chain around your neck. To use the term mother, instead of being an embarrassment, Jesus was an honour. Now, what about father? Well, there are many names of God, including Elohim, meaning powerful, Yahweh, meaning the Lord, Abba, meaning Daddy, El Elyon, meaning God Most High, El Roy, meaning the God who sees, El Shaddai, meaning God Almighty, and others. But what did Jesus call God? When his disciples asked Jesus how they should pray, he gave them a model prayer, and that's found in Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13, and it began like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. In the Olive Garden, prior to the arrest of Jesus on the night before the crucifixion, Jesus went into a secluded place to pray. Here are the first few words of that repair, that prayer, as recorded in John 17, 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. And then there's this short prayer as Jesus hung on the cross, 
as recorded in Luke 23:34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus was not embarrassed to call God his heavenly Father, and we should never be embarrassed or bullied into avoiding using the term Father to either our earthly or heavenly Father. It's my understanding that the move to remove the words mother and father from our everyday language is a product of people being sexually confused. We live in a period of time when so much of what happens is confusion, with natural disasters, social reorientation, plus pandemics. J.L. Goff has written this. In dealing with 18 to 22-year-old males, clinical observations have shown a fairly common inability to successfully form intimate relationships with same-age females. This problem often appears to be due to an inability to bond and trust that is rooted in the formative years in the nuclear home. When this happens, the young male frequently develops a fear of being sexually abnormal, perhaps even homosexual. This manifests itself in shame, anxiety, depression, denial, reaction formation, performance anxiety, concern about being found out, isolation, substance abuse and occasionally acting out. Getting such persons to admit these fears is generally extremely difficult, requiring gentle and empathetic, empathetic but persistent probing on the part of the therapist. Did you notice the reason given why young men become sexually confused? It was because of an inability to bond and trust that is rooted in the formative years in the home. Somehow, I feel renaming mother as the gestational parent and father as a non-birthing parent will not help, but instead confuse the situation. And I feel very privileged to have had a good mother and father, and I'm proud to refer to them as such. And I'm very glad to have a good heavenly father who cares for me and has my best interests at heart. How about you? Are you glad to have had a mother and a father who care for you? <laughs> 